Hey everybody, welcome to Video Night Beyond, the podcast devoted to sci-fi, fantasy, and just movies one step beyond reality. I'm your host, Michael. John's on the other side. I don't know why I lost my breath there. Um, <laughs> we uh, we suffered, that's why we're out of breath. Uh, this is a weird one. We had we struggled so hard. Remember at one point we were like, well, let's just do an 89, 80, or 88, 89 episode, and then we, were like, we found a couple others. I forgot that They Live wasn't on our list. <laughs> How I forgot that. Yeah, it, and that's the thing. It's like, I was, like, we also pretty much had a completely different list going into this and then ended up with a totally different one based on, yeah, it's like, well, heck, one of the films on here was, is that a science fiction movie? And then I kind of looked into it and went, because I hadn't seen it since it came out, and it was... Yeah, yeah, it's it's actually tangentially sci-fi. Yeah. Still and, weird. And then one I completely just forgot about. And so here are our lists. We have Twins, Vibes, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and They Live. What do you want to start with? Well, let's start with the one that uh, I, I guess I seem to have tried to have backed out of at the last minute with an alternate. And uh, I'll be honest... I don't think I have as negative of opinion on this film than you did, but I was, vibes. I was mad. I was mad at this vibes. Yeah, we uh, we talked about my stepmother is an alien, which I did watch, uh, just in case you went no. <laughs> um, it's hard for me to understand how vibes cost a million dollars more than my stepmother is an alien. How? <laughs> how the fuck is yeah. this possible? Yeah, and, and considering how cheap looking my stepmother is an alien is at times that they creature in the purse yeah uh, this yeah I, I i couldn't see i couldn't see that either <sighs> this shot in argentina it has no big names i mean at best you have cindy lopper but not because of her acting and and jeff goldblum who would just come off the fly but that's still well, yeah, not Peter like big, oh, come on a guy who's known for just mostly tv stuff is still not the same if you look at My Stepmother's an Alien, you have Dan Aykroyd, who's still an A-lister, Kim Basinger, who's rising, and they do have excellent special effects, and a named director, Richard Benjamin. Richard Benjamin had just come off of Money Pit. Ken Quapis is the director of this, and he had just come off of TV movies. It looks well, like a TV movie, and nothing fucking happens, at least what you're sold in the trailer as sci-fi fantasy. Yeah, well, this is the thing. It's when I first heard about this film, I kind of wanted to have done it for... Uh, the show what did we just watch because it sounded like it was to be a weird weird film and unfortunately this film really isn't as weird as it really should be considering that it's about psychics and you have jeff goldblum who does uh psychometry you know where he can like touch things he knows where it's been city lopper has is a medium who speaks uh to this spirit named louise and they get hired by Peter Falk to find his son slash friend slash his father slash it, Peter Falk's basically just a con man who yeah. wants to find this lost Inca city where apparently this uh, it has the source of psychic energy, which also has something to do with aliens. But it's well, okay, it's one of those films that came out. Like you know, like *Romancing the Stone* and *Jewel of the Nile* or right. *Shanghai Surprise*. Like all these shows that cropped up post *Indiana Jones* and tried to do these old school kind of adventure stories that 
that you'd see in like the 40s and 50s and whatnot. <laughs> All the same budget. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's no way it costs $18 million. This looks like it's from New World and it costs two and a half. I would believe that. Well, it's the thing is, this is certainly nowhere near as good as Romance of the Stone or Jewel of the Nile no. or anything like and that. And then, of course, there's the but... Ghostbusters influence. You know that someone say, hey, it's Ghostbusters meets supernatural Ghostbusters kind of thing. Oh, it was supposed to have Dan Aykroyd instead yeah. of uh, instead of uh, Goldblum. And he turned it down because he didn't want to work with Sidney Lauper. And apparently, Jeff Goldblum didn't really want to work with Sidney Lauper. Yeah, I heard it was a tough production. Well, I mean, I'm sure they probably didn't respect her as an actress because that's what the studio is committed to, is making Sidney Lauper a star. Yeah, and but here's the thing. It's like, the film's biggest problem is that it's just incredibly mediocre. Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's, I don't know, she's fine. Jeff Goldblum, of course, is Goldblooming it up. And it's it's a Ron Howard production, though. And Babalu Mandel and Lowell Gans, these guys are hit makers. They're funny as hell. And I just don't feel anything from these three guys. Why did they want to make this movie? Well, again, I, I 100%. Like I said, just, it's, ca- it's cashing in on the trend at the time. And it's just... Nothing, it just doesn't work. I mean, like you said, Jeff Goldblum just goes and does Jeff Goldblum things. And Cindy Lauper wears tight, short clothing. I mean... That's the film. Yeah, they just wander through Argentina. Julian Sands pops up, who I think is... I mean, everybody in this is good. It's the story that's the problem. Yeah, like I said, there's just... It's... It's an exercise in mediocrity, and... Like I said, I wasn't mad at it. I just kind of... Because I was more mad at... I mentioned Shanghai Surprise. I was far oh. more mad at that movie. Yeah. I've seen I've seen far more worse films than Vibes. Yeah, it's, it's just I, I feel like I was promised something. <laughs> I guess that's on me. Yeah, I, I was just I was disappointed that it wasn't weirder. If, yeah, I, I wanted to be kind of a wacky, weird, and it's just so. Yeah. But you know, it does have Steve Buscemi in one of his first roles. <laughs> well, a one minute isn't going to make it worth it. <laughs> oh no, no, you you can stop the film right after that. Yeah, and you won't be won't feel bad. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a dud for me, though it has its following for some reason, and it's one of those, hey, it's on a VHS collectible from Mill Creek, so if you're interested, you can probably get it for like eight bucks. Yeah, that, that's the thing. It's like, I know it's, it's there's a Blu-ray version. I almost, I almost bought this yeah, because... We had trouble. We had so much trouble finding this. Well, I'd seen it on, like, a used uh, DVD store that's near my house, so I had had a chance to pick it up yeah. actually a little while ago well we're dopes because we sat on it it was on amazon in june and uh i just took my t- i took too long it's my fault it's not his fault and i didn't get around to watching it yeah like i said i had it saved and i didn't watch it then yeah so on and so forth it's you know it's yeah if you could it's on uh, youtube if you really if you don't want to pay any money for it i'm not gonna stop you yeah do what you like it's a free world next film all right, the next film is Boobs, Huge Knockers of the Dark. Yes. I, I'm sorry, I was, <laughs> I, I was very distracted throughout this film by this couple of beautiful globes. And, oh, okay, I'm serious. I'm, I wish this movie had one, two globe globes. It would have been such a, a perfect acceptance speech. <laughs> but uh, let, but let, let's all be honest. Cassandra Peters built this Avira character, you know, partially based on, uh, oh, God, what was the... Vampira, yes, but you. also based on the fact that that uh, what was the line from uh, from Pinky and the Brain? Uh, 
puberty was very kind to her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's. She was a member of the Groundlings, and this was kind of a one-off. Uh, that and Pee Wee Herman were kind of intended to just be one-offs, and they just hit so big that they just they spun off into their own thing, and it, it became a, a late-night comedy show on uh, L.A. and NBC L.A. station. And it just kept getting more popular, so they started sending it out to the whole country. We never got it in Indiana. It never got uh, franchised out there. Did you see it when you were a kid? No, I, I never saw it. Uh, it's I never really watched a whole lot of television when I was a kid, so I, I was tangentially aware of Elvira mainly because of this movie, because I think my dad had uh, like got off pay-per-view you know, like when it when it was that or something like that. And it was like, screw it, I'll watch it. You know, sort of thing. Yeah. That he, it, it was his his decision, and I kind of wandered in, and it was the the dinner scene where she <laughs> cooks. And so I'm a seven year old kid who doesn't particularly like scary movies at the time, and that freaked me out. But I was also kind of intrigued by the by the Elvira character, but it. It was something that it took me a few years to want to work back into seeing, and by that point, you know, you know, Elvira was around. So yeah, I mean, she, just, I knew her mostly as a promoter for like Budweiser. Like every Halloween for a decade, there she was the promo. Yeah. Um, so I mean, this is funded by NBC. They split the cost with New World, and it flopped hard. But NBC was smart enough to say, "Hey, we retain all the TV rights." So yes, it did play on uh, NBC. I think like a year after this came out, so I saw it then. And then they sold it to Comedy Central, where it played nonstop. It was always on, like every week. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like this movie's fine. Uh, I think it's very it's... funny. I think her one-liners Ooh. are amazing. Oh no, she's she is wonderful in it. I I will say this. I think actually the best joke in the film, and okay, honestly, I should have, if I was thinking clearly, I should have taken a tally of every single boob joke in the movie. <laughs> I mean, it, in all seriously, it's it is a consistent thing, and again, it's part of it's part of the act. So, it's not like it's an exploitive thing. There's there are times that there are is loving attention paid to uh her tits and ass. Yeah. But again, it's it is the gimmick. So mm. it's never as it never feels as gross as you would no, think like she's they, in on the joke. She's one yeah. making the joke, but also she's so much more than just those jokes. I think she's no, a yeah. tough, sassy, a very just uh, she oh, yeah. has so she, much fun doing this. She she's not taking anyone's shit and yeah. And that's and that's the thing. Like she's, she has so much autonomy in the story that it's like it. It's all part of the thing. But to go back to the what I think is the best joke is Elvira rolls into the town of Falwell. Uh, oh, and uh, <laughs> I didn't get that till now. And then uh, she it was like her car basically falls apart. She gets it taken to a uh, a, a shop where the guys you know ends up just like it's gonna take me a while. And directs her to a motel. And as she's le- as she leaves, and she's just out of earshot, just nonchalantly goes, "Nice tits." <laughs> and it's and again, it's it's the nonchalantness of it. It's the fact that he sat there and started Grandpa, Grandpa Simpsoning her, and just kind of like a you know just going off on you know just a tangent of nothingness. And then it's the, you know, he had the decency to, <laughs> to wait till she's. 
till she's out of earshot to make a comment about her. I think my favorite joke is her little poodle. Uh, when it barks, it sounds like a really big dog. It just is a cool visual. And then it turns into one. Yeah. Um, but, I think the villain... I don't like the actor. I can't remember his name, but he's just one of those guys that popped up, I think, on Babylon 5 or one of the Star Treks. One of those you know, old-school British actors. I don't particularly care for his performance, but I thought that the mythos that they built, which they didn't even have to do, was pretty solid. Yeah, they, they spent a good time creating a... Here's this witch and warlock stuff, and there's... You know, this stuff you can last, you know, be hundreds of years old with the right you know knowing what you know about this and while this cookbook you know spell book is is indeed important all of the magic is is all inside you of course yeah it's uh part of the problem is is she is a niche following so it wasn't going to be a huge blockbuster anyway that's why an independent studio picked it up but at the same time, New World was falling apart by the time this was ready to come out, and they were almost bankrupt, so they had hardly any money to promote, they hardly released it, and, you know, this is like their last hurrah, I think, I think they went out of business like six months later, and Heather's was their last release. Wow. Oh. Well, and Heather's definitely wasn't a hit at the time, no. but it was one of those things where, had it, had it come out, you know, say ten years ago, it would have been huge. I keep thinking like their last run was some of their better stuff. Warlock, Punisher, uh, Meet the Applegates, I think. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Parents, really? Heathers, Elvira, uh, the Hellraiser movies. But they just had too many years of duds before that. Yeah, uh, like I said, this is, this is definitely an enjoyable flick. Uh, it's better than yeah, the, the second one. I, I, I appreciate Haunted Hills. I know that it's going to be a parody of, like, Hammer films, but I think it's a little dull. But, well, yeah, well, like you said, though, this is very niche, and it's... Part of it is, yes, you definitely feel... You kind of feel like it's only designed to gear towards the 15-year-old boy. Yeah. But, uh, actually, I do have, I do have to have to say one thing about this aside from having again the big tits and great ass what did she do to earn the loyalty of the town's teenagers because i get it you know like she gets all this help from the boys and that's like you know guy you know boys staring at her butt as she's crouched over and you know she's buxom and stuff so the guys would be lured in but also the girls are just hell yeah i want to help out you're cleaning this house for this chick work you know um, slightly because, well i feel like it's that thing and i lived in a small town and i think there's this inner call to a lot of people to break out from the norm and and it's called volleyball and i think it was just supposed to be like the metaphor for every town that's basically ruled by religion and uptight pain in the asses and i think a lot of people started to recognize that the inner elvira i guess if you want to make it cheesy that you know there's a lot of people out there who are punk uh, rock with their attitude but they have to hide it you know and and she was very empowering i think that's what uh those uh the other people have recognized in her all right but yeah, fight the like power this... damn the man well it's like i could get that with the second half of of that where they disobey their their principle and all that's on all that because of you know how we you know it's like if we go and see your midnight show we're gonna get in trouble i can see that for the second half but it just kind of feel it always felt a little odd that the boys are all thirsty and the girls just kind of were there. And it makes you kind of wonder if the girls were thir as thirsty 
because, well, as you said, this is different. It does seem, it is, she is definitely transgressive, but uh, they all seemed very overly clean cut to even want to uh, hang out. But then again, I was a huge goth in high school and I didn't dress like a goth. Yeah, so. I was like me, I'm a, I was a big punk rock guy. I mean, even now I'm very, very rebellious and outspoken, but I look like a fucking bookworm. Yeah, I like like Wal- where's Waldo if he lost all that hair? Like the hat was covering the bald head. <laughs> it's like could have seen my nerdy ass in a pit uh, back when I was much younger. Yeah, but third film. Yes. How about we talk about twins? A movie I actually just realized right now that I forgot to finish. I only watched the first half. Oops. But I kind of remember it. So go ahead. Well, yeah. It like this one we had kind of had to check to make sure it was a sci-fi film and yeah it's all it's based around the idea of a government experiment to create this essentially the perfect man and they produce Arnold Schwarzenegger but they also get Danny DeVito who was a mistake the leftover parts (laughs) yeah so they they go and Schwarzenegger gets raised in this tropical island and is he seemed, it's like, I guess he's intelligent, but he's overly naive. Yes, he's so closed he, off from most of the world. But it, but he comes off, really, he kind of just comes off dumb. Except for the times when he's supposed to sound somewhat smart. Weirdly enough, I kind of feel like Schwarzenegger's role in Junior worked better for muscle guys, muscle guys sound smart than than twins did but this is also early on in his career too yeah well this is what changed everything for him this is what made him an a-lister this is what uh made him likable to so many audiences this finally broke down that wall that my mom loved him um i think that he just before that you know i mean predator and running man were hits but there's something different about twins that really just broke the wall down well, he's he's got a charm to him in this. Like I said, it's the night naivete. But yeah, but he's also very a... very enthusiastic. This isn't a cynical yeah. like, oh, let's just change it. Like a lot of these action guys do these movies now. He set the mold for action guys making something that's more accessible to younger kids and, and, and women, and everybody copies him now. This is you know this is him just being I think think legit. I think he really loved doing this and he wanted to do this. Well, it's also the thing is when you talk about not being cynical, it's you have Danny DeVito's character who is this uh, guy who was raised on the streets of L.A. and, you know, a con man. And and you would – if it wasn't Danny DeVito, that could have been so – it could have just come off as incredibly cynical at yeah. every moment. Yeah, it's perfect casting. Those two work so well together. And this is Danny DeVito like at his peak. He's really on fire right here. Well, I still think he's great on Sunny. But this is when he was an A-lister. Yeah, and it's—I do think the film has—it has does have an issue with the uh, subplot of this stolen jet engine yeah, and yeah. the killer going after it, and that weirdly enough does not fit as well. No, it's like this is forced. This is a pattern that would continue through the '90s, is where these comedians would do these movies, and they're like, "Well, we got to throw some action in, like Mo Money." Or uh, white men can't jump. It's not necessary, but for some reason they feel like in order to appeal to men, they got to have some sort of action. Yeah, because the the story of these of you know Schwarzenegger discovering that he has a twin brother goes and well in a way it I think because there is already stuff with Danny DeVito indebted to these to these uh, low level gangsters, 
that was enough, really. Uh-huh. Like, that stuff, because you kind of have them, you know, kind of coming up and, uh, and dude, uh, heck, oh, God, what was that? What was the one? Undercover Blues. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. It makes, it makes me think, like, those, that's kind of how it should have been with, with these villains who just kind of constantly show up and just then get, you know, basically, like, taken down so comically by Schwarzenegger that they just, like, like, uh, oh, God, who was it in, in that film that was the, uh, was the villain, well, minor villain? God, it's been a while since I've seen that film. But what is his name? Uh... Yeah, I can't. I can't never like mind. it's like it's like El Muerte or something like that. Yes, <laughs> yes, El Muerte. He goes, uh, Morty, no Muerte. <laughs> I kill people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, but he's constantly just humiliated by these two characters, and it's kind of feel like that just kind of should have been the villain. You know, same thing with these two guys. The entire time should just been they over, you know, overcompensate trying to get their money from Day DeVito. Right. But again, I'm sure I'm sure if I wrote this film it would definitely not be as good, so. Yeah, I just think like sometimes they do that. They force the villain when there's no need cuz the 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 conflict is already there. Yeah. But it's it is a very pleasant movie and I was glad cuz like I said I hadn't seen this since it came out. So yeah. We saw this at the it, theater a double feature with Naked Gun and all I remember from it is the guy that sat behind us put his feet on my mother's hair and she didn't go to a movie for years after that because she was so upset yeah that that would uh, that would make me not want to not go to movies nope. either but fourth the, film the, the best of the lodge once again is a John Carpenter film yeah and it's they live oh god I can't believe I almost forgot this movie it's so bizarre because this is one of the only ones on here that's true sci-fi um, based on the story, what, 8 o'clock in the morning, which I've read, but it's not exactly like the movie. Uh, obviously, Carpenter takes some embellishment on that that story. Some, and, yeah, some embellishment. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's just it's so outrageous. He casts someone who who just been in hell comes to Frogtown. Who, who says, that's my leading man? But what, he was burnt out um, after the reception of Big Trouble Little China and decided to go work with a smaller company and fund this and Prince of Darkness for like three or four million apiece, and he had complete control. And that was the right decision, I believe. Well, and the thing is, this, like good sci-fi, the film is still relevant today. Yeah. Which is also the worst thing you can say about this film. Because even though this is kind of an attack on Reaganomics... Oh, so much of what is said and what you see in this film kind of sounds like the contemporary uh, GOP platform and the and Trumpism and things like that, where a lot of people are willing to sell out their ideals to get money. And who cares what happens to the planet or anyone else? Yeah. As long as I get mine. Uh-huh. And, oh, Lord. Like, Do you remember when someone said, like, four years ago that this was supposed to be, like, uh, oh, it's telling you that the Jews are evil? And John Carpenter goes, that is not what the movie's about at all. And the guy's like, how would you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. It, but it's like, I, there's, like, these aliens are controlling, have, have control over the planet. I I don't understand why they 
they're as integrated into society as they are. Yeah, it's like, wow, how many decades have you been at this and no one's really caught on? Yeah, because, I mean, well, they're just, they're seemingly doing manual, you know, manual labor, well, not necessarily manual labor, but hanging out with the cattle. They're not, like, I partially, I would love to see, I don't know, a TV series, a comic, something that expands on this this world. Definitely. Because I just kind of want to know where is there, do they have their own story? You know, a thing of of hierarchy of power in this in this thing, because otherwise, yeah, it's like why are these true elite beings just hanging out, getting their hair done, going to the bank? Yeah, I mean, I get I get why they're cops, I get why you know they're politicians, I get why they're Siskel and Ebert, but uh, I don't get why why some of the other stuff. Truly, the best shot of this film is when he takes a look at the money and says, "This is your god." Yeah. Well, I just think the whole build-up, you know, how we exploit the homeless and toss, you know, away people like they're commodities, and it has not changed in thirty-something years, uh, is still so relevant. How we're um, their own version of what do you call it? Um, gentrification. Pushing people out you know, by force or just you know by uh, uh, taking away their money, their jobs, their hope, and you know manipulating you through the media—it's still insanely relevant today. And the movie is—it is, has that social commentary, but it's also a fucking hoot. <laughs> yeah, it, that's the thing. Is there's the the one one-liner that everybody knows from this film. You know, I'm here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. <laughs> I'm all out of ass. Wait, hold on. I said that wrong. Can I go back out the door and come back in? <laughs> You're like, what the fuck was that? But, oh, man. It, and here's part of the thing is, this is the strength of Carpenter's filmmaking. The creature effects in this movie kind of suck. Yeah, they're like, pretty cheap. But like, they're a very low-budget movie. Yeah, well, yeah, even, like I said, low-budget, understandable. They, they look like, you know, Halloween store masks. And yet, we are, it's like, you don't really spend enough time thinking about it. It's like, the only reason why I really can dwell on how cheap the masks look is because I've seen this film a lot. Yeah. And I can see just kind of how bad they, they really are. <laughs> and, and it's like, but yet the film works so well that you don't, you never really spend that much time having to think about it because you're always... You start kind of getting that paranoid feeling of yep. who is, who really is a creature and who isn't. And you know, I love the trend. You know, the everything's in black and white, so you can see the truth. And when you when you look it up, it's all normal and stuff. And it's all for momentum. This sucker hardly lets up for a second. Even even that uh, Keith David Roddy Piper fight. Oh, the the alleyway fight that goes on for what? eight minutes something like that yeah it's insane <laughs> just put on the damn glasses it's like it made me happy that there uh keith david plays a character plays actually a couple characters in the saints row series in part four keith david plays himself as the vice president of the uh, united states and you get kidnapped by aliens and to get him out of his his little uh Matrixy type world, it ultimately ends up with him having a fight with Roddy Piper. 
It is the exact fight. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. So yes, that's that is how iconic this this little uh, segment is. Is that everyone references it? Yeah. It's almost it's almost as reference as much as like the stuff in Godfather. Yeah. Oh, it's also this is the golden age of uh, Meg Foster, the glowing eyes lady. I mean, she was she's yeah. pretty good in this. Yeah, it's that's one of the things where you almost expect her to take off like take off a mask and yeah. be an alien of some kind. The uh, I th- I think it's yeah absolutely the best of the four. I think it holds up more than almost any film, at least uh, context wise, um, than anything we've discussed in the show so far. And it's no, it's not a grade A film. It's never meant to be. It's supposed to be subversive, in your face, punk rock. You know, just a hoop. But some of those best movie, I mean, some of those little cheesy movies have the best ideas. Yeah, it's definitely even of all the great films that John Carpenter did. This is like easily top five. Oh yeah, possibly top three, depending on depending on your taste. Well, for me, let's see. We'll take a break right, right now. Um. Over the years, Halloween has moved down the list. Yes, I get that it's respected. I get that it lost. I'm bored now. And for me, it's uh, you know, Escape from New York, The Thing, uh, and probably this. Um, Big Trouble in Little China, I think. I've seen it too many times. It's starting to wear out a little bit. Uh, the Fog is touch and go. Um, I think uh, Memoirs Invisible Man is underrated. I don't think it's as bad as everybody said it was. And... Uh, uh, What's the one I'm thinking of? Um, In the Mouth of Madness is pretty good. The rest of them are kind of mediocre. Christine, I guess, is good. Well, it's like, what? I think what my top three, if I would do it like that, yeah, would be uh, the thing In the Mouth of Madness and this. But then, like, right after that would be, like, Cigarette Birds. Yeah, you know what? I keep forgetting about much stuff because I just thought about Starman. Starman's, like, his one, like, hey, I want to be a A-lister director. That's fun. It's good. Um, but I'm just there's it does feel like at the end he got so tired and he just didn't want to do it anymore. Like vampires, there's some stuff I like in that. Escape from LA, but like by the time Ghost of Mars came out, I was like, oof, oh boy. Yeah, yeah. I, the only thing I like about about Ghost of Mars is the soundtrack. Yeah, because that has some of the best, some some great metal musicians all contributing to that. And I, like, I never saw what his last film what was that the ward. I, I like that one. That was actually fine, but it's not a John Carpenter movie. He, it's like he erased everything that he, uh, you know, his signature look. It's it's kind of just a generic everyday supernatural, but it's fine. I think it's fine. Okay. Yeah, it's like I never. Yeah, it's it just kind of like, with the exception of Cigarette Burns, basically a lot of his later day career stuff I just never yeah well and then this is kind of that bump for him because this is when he kind of got stuck uh two of his scripts end up getting sold to like HBO and made into westerns and he had no involvement after that uh he couldn't get Creature of the Black Lagoon launched I think he was trying to do body bags but that was just that one pilot and uh the torturous production of Memoirs of the Invisible Man yeah cause then yeah cause then after that would be what trying to think because that would be about mid 90s at that point yeah because then memoirs uh or sorry in the mouth of madness got held back by like eight months and it came out right before village of the damned which you can see he clearly took because of a paycheck he did not give one iota about that fucking movie 
yeah, that one's that one's definitely not that good. I think there's great ideas in Escape from L.A., and I can't wait to discuss it, but uh, the studio was going out of business as they were shooting, and they took, like, $30 million out of the budget. So, yeah. Well, that is it with these four movies. Uh, they Live is my choice of the... I'm assuming that's your choice of the four? It is my choice. Yeah. All right, so we'll be back in a little while with 1989, where we're still struggling with our list. i got to find Baron Munchausen's. <laughs> <laughs> I, a, I think that was 88 though honestly I think really? Munchausen, I thought it yeah. came out I thought it was shown at film festivals in 88 but it came out like in March of 89 I'll have to look up the release date on Wikipedia I'm pretty sure it made its debut in 88 but it didn't come to America until 89 well hopefully because I bought it oh well we're gonna discuss it anyway fuck it <laughs> well it's like well no if if we don't uh, discuss the thing I still wanted a copy yeah but what else is in 89 that I haven't done on the show I've done Ghostbusters 2 there's Batman I, I can't think of anything else. There's this. We're gonna we're gonna struggle. Yeah, we'll little monsters we'll maybe. Uh, Millennium. Hmm. Oh, I haven't seen Millennium. Yeah, I haven't seen it forever. It's. Uh, I remember at the time they were like, "Hey, it's gonna be cool." No, it wasn't. It didn't do very well. <laughs> but, all right, but yeah, we'll, we're just. We'll. we'll I'll go. Uh, I'm on uh, Facebook under. Sorry, we're under Facebook under Video Night Podcast on Twitter under Retro Rocket Entertainment, but it's just the end. Uh, and where are you at on Twitter? Musician, M-Y-U-Z-I-S-H-I-O-N. Doing doing what I do there, as well as on Twitch, streaming games, having fun. What are you playing right good. now? Uh, Mass Effect 2. I'm tr- going to slowly just trudge through the entirety of uh, of the three games, and then I'll get back to doing doing other stuff i wonder if you can hook my raspberry pi up to something like that and i could play some old school games it's possible maybe it does have an hdmi out i don't know if that's how that works i have no idea i'm stupid on this stuff we'd probably have to hook it up to a computer maybe all right so that is it everybody have a good night later everyone